Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 21st. Uh, top 100 camp has come and gone. I somehow managed to catch some type of upper respiratory thing, so I apologize in advance for uh, you haven't listened to my voice for the next however many minutes, um, but hopefully uh, it, it it won't be too bad for you. Uh, we, we're gonna we're gonna talk UVA basketball uh, for real tonight. Um, obviously, with with camp and, and recruiting and, and July on the on the horizon, there's plenty of, of things to discuss. Uh, let's go around and introduce everybody, and we'll start out in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How you doing, buddy? It was a great break. It's great to be back. I've learned a lot in the process of being gone. <laughs> who days at who days on Twitter? You were very like, "Hello, how are you?" I mean, you sound like you sound like somebody's like making you do this podcast. It's like it's like I ha- like I have a cattle prod. Uh, Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also back on the show. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. At World Star Hip Hop on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, at Justin, I'm sure that's how you do. See, see, Dave. That's how you do. Uh, that's how you do excitement. I mean, I know you're going through withdrawals, you know, not being here last week and everything, but uh, that's how you do it. it. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so, yeah, so Top 100 happened. Um, that was a thing. Uh, I, I have to say I, I was able to trim a few names off of the 13-dude list that I had at one point, which was kind of nice. Uh, I didn't have to uh, – <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to follow 13 dudes. But thankfully, uh, the good people at the Top 100 camp put several UVA targets on the same team, which meant, which meant that I could watch one game and watch multiple guys, which was, was, which was really nice. But when you're, when you're tracking that many guys, you're, you're going to end up with a couple on, on the same team. Um, I'm, I'm still surprised, as I sit here tonight, that that team with, with Javon Quinterly, David McCormick, Elijah Weaver, and John Newman also had Cole Swider... Um, and, and several other really talented players. I'm, I'm still surprised that that team uh, couldn't make it to the championship uh, of the of the playoffs at camp. But also too, like they were dealing with some some roster issues, guys getting hurt, um, as well as uh, McCormick just pieced out after after Friday and left and went to uh, a couple of unofficial visits. But anyway, um, wanted to start tonight uh, kind of talking about Top 100 camp, and I kind of want to open the floor to Dave and Justin because I feel like you guys are a good barometer. Uh, on what folks are interested in and, and sort of um, maybe what, uh, what questions are out there. There was a really um, kind of involved thread on the board this afternoon where folks were t- kind of talking about the UVA targets and, and which guys Virginia would take and which guys uh, maybe they might try to slow play. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that as well. And I know that there was a question in there uh, that was like a basically like, like a tiered sort of deal we're going to get into. But I'm just curious to start. And, Dave, let's go to you. When, as as we get out of top one hundred camp, we have this little lull before the first um, open weekend next month. How what what questions do you have about Virginia's targets, and kind of what's your general sort of feel um, for what you're what you're looking for, what you're curious about um, over the next maybe month or two? I just can't believe we haven't gotten any commits yet, Brad. <laughs> He's being he's being facetious, people. I'm just waiting to see if Ferber hangs up and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I already left. I'm gone. Ferber, Ferber's now a ghost. Ferber's dead. No, yeah, I mean, for, for, it's always interesting because you know, because of the 17 class being relatively small and kind of uneventful 
in many ways. We've been, it feels like we've been looking at these 2018 guys for so long. Um, and I, I remember we've talked about like, who are your, be- your, your must gets and, you know, sticks had always been my number one get. Um, and that was before Francesco and, um, obviously before this weekend. So it's interesting how things change. Like now I don't know that he'd be top five, um, based on what happened there at the camp. Um, and I was, I've always liked Quinterly. So now I'm just kind of jonesing a little more to get him on the team. Um, it's just interesting, you know, Keldon Johnson, I feel like we were talking about him as a, uh, he's park view, right? South. Yeah. South Hill um, park view. Yeah. So dragon pride. Like, Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it feels like he was just kind of an up and comer at park view. And now he's one of the top players at the camp. So, you know, it's just crazy how much changes in basketball recruiting over the course of a year. And, um, and in many ways, as much as like, I don't think the coaching staffs base their decisions off of one or two camps, but you know, you have a camp, bad camp or two. And it's funny how the, all of a sudden the, all these reports about your stock dropping and I'm not saying you, but there's other players out there too, other than, you know, I know Jallo didn't have a, the best week, um, best weekend. So, it's just a fun time of year to kind of, you know, we've had this list and now it's time to reset the list because all the camps and a lot of the AU's taking place um, and your rosters. Yeah. Now, and now it's time for guys to start making a decision. So a lot of dominoes will start to fall sometime in the next year. <laughs> yeah. This next, yeah. The next year. Ferber, what about you? What are some of your uh, sort of uh, questions, takeaways, concerns coming out of, uh, out of this weekend's best past weekend's event? Uh, I mean, just the the one of the questions I would like to is from, and this is kind of a question I know the answer to because, um, just following along with the updates. But what players kind of under the radar, or maybe not under the, I mean, they're all good players, but um, what players like offensively, especially emerged or had like big games that kind of took you off guard, or or uh, maybe they brought something different that they you hadn't seen before, like somebody. Yeah, like uh, AJ Reeves, I know got really hot shooting, like yeah. something like that. Um, so I mean, just like what kind of little? Because sometimes that's how a player ends up blowing up even more than they already have. Is just like one game, two games where they bring something different, or or it could have you know cause a coach to reevaluate where that player stands on their board. Yeah, that's a good question. Look, I, Malcolm did that. Not a top one hundred. It was a peach jam, but I mean, he really kind of it was it was really when he kind of came out, so to speak. Uh, I think Reeves was a guy who really caught my attention. I was in a position already to to really want to to watch him work. I wanted to see what he was like, because a lot of these guys on the wing are very different dudes. Like Keldon Johnson and AJ Reeves are just very different guys. Like I, I don't know if I would uh, run an ISO and and try to get AJ Reeves to the line. Um, but man, I would I would love to get him off of a off of a curl, or or off of a down screen. I mean, the kid it, he just has a, an ability to make shots. And Keldon Johnson, meanwhile, is just like this physical specimen who essentially he is he is the home run hitter that is daring you to throw him a strike. All right, like he will he will put his head down and he will go to the lane and he will either he will either score or you're gonna put him on the line. I wish I, I wish as I as I look back on it, I wish I had tracked it. How many drafts he had that didn't end with either him scoring a basket or him getting fouled on the shot and, and going to the line. And in a in a camp like that, you make one free throw, you get credit for two. 
um, because they're running uh, 12 minute quarters that clock doesn't stop. It's a very odd sort of, and then they also do these like line change um, substitutions. But like Keldon Johnson will just go get you a bucket. Like he doesn't care, and he and dudes just, I mean, huge guys just bounce off of him. Um, and he's not like it's not even like he's an aggressor. Like he's quick. He's not fast, and like he's not going in there all willy nilly, uh, run rolling people over. No, no, he goes in there all, almost like. Um, he has a, a lot of. Do you guys remember? Uh, God, what's that kid's name? Ryan Anderson. They used to call him Slow. Um, I think he's with the Spurs now. He, was, I think he played Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. Why did I say Ryan? Yeah, he went Kyle to UCLA. Anderson. Yeah, okay. He he had similar sort of like he could dribble and move and it like he always got to the spot he wanted to. He just didn't do it like super duper fast. Kelton's like that in a lot of ways, but like you can't stop him because like he's really good at using his hips. He can turn himself. He's really good at getting an angle on the shot. He's strong. He he knows who he is. He's got a physical body, and he's just able to score, or he's able to get to the to the line. And those two guys are just completely different dudes. And so, like tracking Reeves and, and watching him, I was really impressed with one how big he is. He's a lot bigger than I thought he was, and he plays a lot bigger. Um, and so, what that means for a wing is he gets his hand on balls that you don't expect, either either in in the uh, in the course of playing defense or just off of rebounds. He wasn't a huge rebounder, but he was a willing guy. And I think that's a really good trait um, on this team if you're playing wing because a lot of times you're going to be uh, in in the pack. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be around the rim. And so having a guy with his length I think would be a good thing. Um, I really liked his game. He was probably the guy who surprised me the most. Um, I was really – I don't want to say I, I doubted a five-star prospect, but Quinterly's ability to score – um, at the rim, amongst the trees, for a guy his his size was really was really impressive. Um, now I know that that doesn't really answer your specific question. You're really asking about guys who who surprised me, who maybe didn't come in with a rep. But to see Cornerly really going up and being able to do the thing that really talented guards have to be able to do when they're that size, right? To be able to lift and let go of the ball. Even as it's as the as the you know with plenty of distance between the 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 shot hand and the shot blocker, right? You know what I'm saying? Like very much. I don't want to compare him to Allen Iverson because that's that's rude. But like a very AI uh, sort of almost like Kyrie Irving thing. Now I realize that AI and Kyrie. But I'm just saying like the idea of a little guy being able to go up, leap, hang, and then score over outstretched arms. Like he was really good at using the window and um, really good, I think, at getting to his spot and being able to. To get there, um, the, but then there were a couple of 2019 kids aside from Armando Baycoat who, who surprised me. Uh, Will Baker was a 2019 forward. I really liked watching. Um, I think the guy that probably surprised me the most was Fran McCaffrey's kid, um, who's a 2019, uh, who I'm guessing is going to go to play for for his dad. That kid can ball, man. He's just like this long, lanky white dude, and he just can flat out get it done. He's faster than he looks. He can leap. Um, he's got good ball skills, especially for a kid with with his length. Um, he it's funny because if he, if Fran McCaffrey gets fired or something, like the the whole country is going to be all over that because um, that kid that kid's filthy. I saw him take this one really nasty bump. Like I mean, just like you heard like four body parts hit the floor, 
And like he came over and he like worked out his ankle. I think he was he was talking to the trainer, and then he was back in there not too long after that. I was really I was really impressed with him. He was another one that that sort of that really definitely surprised me, mainly because I didn't realize that he existed. Um, but then I was very much aware of his existence because he uh, he stood out to me. Um, but yeah, there was a there there was a there was a lot of talent at that camp, man. And so for Kelton Johnson to be co MVP, to be second in scoring, um, and do what he did. Um, you know, I, I I don't I don't think it's any surprise though that when they were when that team was at its best was when they had Reeves on one side and and Keldon going to work and basically you had to pick your, pick your poison you either you either going to try to to get the ball out of his hands and it was going to find Reeves or you were going to try to get out of the three point line and you were going to open space for for Keldon. Um, coming out of the camp too, I think one of the things that 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 we all focus on as we move forward in the summer is kind of where recruiting recruiting is for each of these guys um reeves is is down to four virginia being one of them going to take an official visit uh jerron brooks four-star power forward ag clone uh going to take an official visit to uva um told 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 me that distance not gonna be a thing uh quinterly uh i since he wasn't able to actually make the uh the visit on on sunday um, my guess is is they can get him back down, whether it's an official or an unofficial. I don't know yet. Um, let's see who else. Jalen Smith's talking about taking an official visit. I'll believe that when I see it. I I just kind of feel like he's Maryland bound. Um, Musa Jallo, I think is is going to take an official visit to UVA. Uh, Keldon Johnson isn't anywhere near the the the, the place to talk visits, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him take several officials as well. Um, but I've heard people. People I trust say, you know, Virginia's seen as a dark horse for him now. So uh, I think the the message about the NBA has really, uh, has really mattered to him. Was there a specific uh, thing coming out of camp or, or specific, like, recruiting development that you were most excited about, most distressed by? Ferber, let's start with you. What what recruiting questions did you have coming out of this event, at least as you, as you kind of kept up with all the different options on UVA's board? Um, I mean, obviously, it's a good opportunity for us to kind of get face-to-face, you know, contact with them, uh, with all the players at once, which is awesome. But, and, and for the most part, I mean, it was it was good stuff about UVA. It was promising stuff. Um, it's good for fans to remember that, you know, they can't, like, they can't talk to the coaches and stuff during the during the camp. I mean, they can come back for a visit, and a lot of kids have done that. Um, but it's not necessarily something that, um happens for everybody i guess i was a little disappointed that quinterly couldn't stay but at the same time i mean the camp season can be you oh, know man. taxing I, and he <laughs> literally walked in from euro camp walked yeah. in put his bags down put put his stuff on and then went in the game with like a minute and 47 seconds i bet you in the way and like they were playing most of those games with one sub so i mean he was playing a lot of minutes even with a 12 minute running clock I mean, he was he, i bet you he was drained he looked it yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not too worried that he didn't, you know, stay for the visit. But obviously, that I guess that's kind of disappointing that he didn't. But maybe it's maybe it's better in the long run that he comes back some other time. Um, well, the other thing too is that his his parents were there, and that, I know for a fact that UVA's coaching staff was in the office every day, and they had it was almost a turnstile of, of parents. It's funny because the question that I was a situation where they're just sitting there like, hey, anybody want to come down the hall? Well, I, I think it's one of those deals too, where like they have a they've talked to the parents, and like so in a sense, in, a, in essence, like 
it's not a schedule, but they kind of have a schedule. You know, like, hey, why don't you come on by on Thursday? Hey, why don't you come on by on Friday? Like, they're smart. I think they're smart about sort of when they when they talk to them and, and whatnot. I think it's uh, it's funny because I get asked that question all the time. Like, where has has how has this camp helped UVA? You know, it's funny because UVA fans are almost almost they they, they approach it almost like uh, from the negative, right? They're like, since the camp isn't like leading directly to commitments, therefore it shouldn't be there. Meanwhile, every college coach in the country this weekend is mad as all get out that that the thing wasn't in their gym. Like, it's, I mean, it's not, and that's not happenstance. You know, like they're they're upset for a reason. You know what I mean? And it's funny to me that like UVA fans are like, this thing's never helped us, and every school in the country is like, I want that camp. Um, but I think that you know, Quinterly's folks, uh, his mom were. were you know, we're able to talk to the Virginia staff, and and I think it's funny because that's a recruitment uh, I, that that just feels like it's going to go on for a while. Um, and it, I think you're right, Ferbert. Like it, in a way, like him not being able to stay it might open up the door for Sanchez to be able to get him to come back for an official um, and actually, you know, hang out with the team. And and whereas he might not have been as inclined if he'd stayed after because he did the same thing last year. And that's the other thing too. Like what he told me when I asked, like, why, you know, what do you, what do you look what are you looking forward to? It's like, you know, it's about relationship with coaches. Well, relationships, you know, you can, you have a lot more time on an official visit. So I think that's a, uh, in some ways might be a, a blessing in disguise. Uh, what about you, Dave? What, what kind of uh, recruiting questions or, uh, or what, you know, what, what kind of lit up on your radar um, over the course of, of camp or after? I mean, I don't know that there's one thing in particular. Um, the, and it's something we'll continue to discuss as we go on the podcast and has been brought up on the board, but you know, how do these, now that we've seen some camp, you know, where do these players start to stack out on, on UVA's wish list? Um, and I think that tells the story, you know, in, in a perfect world, Tony could say, you know, this is target one, I'll take him and target two, I'll take him. Um, but I think you're starting to see a, well, what we imagine based on, you know, what you've heard from sources and what you've seen, we're starting to get a couple, a few different levels of recruits. I don't know if there's three, but there's a couple, you know, mm-hmm. tier one guys and tier two. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, if one of the tier two guys commits first, what does that mean for moving forward? Um, right. Well, so, I, I tried to, uh, I tried to kind of get into that a little bit today in, in that thread. And, and it's funny because like, and I just posted this tonight, like the idea that like pecking order is such a, it's such a it's a it's not it's not quite misleading but it's definitely not it definitely doesn't actually exist in the way that it implies right which i guess maybe is the definition of misleading but i just think that like the idea is that okay listen tony might have a pecking order of of point guards right he might have player a b c and d right and he thinks player a is better than d but once he offers those guys, he's prepared to take them. Now, that doesn't mean, as I said in the post, like that things don't change. As, as coaches watch players, eventually they think, yeah, I don't know if, if this is the right fit, or maybe I don't know if he's actually a, a real point guard. Maybe he's more of a combo, and we're not really looking for that right now, uh, or a combo who can't shoot, that kind of thing, right? But just because there's a pecking order doesn't mean that like he's going to wait until A decides before he talks to B, C, and D. Now, some schools, some, some of the elite elites, they do do that, right? They, they're all in on a handful of kids. I don't know how many players Kentucky's offered in 18, but you know, they're, they're, they're on a couple kids. They're waiting for those kids to make decisions, and then they'll move on, right? 
um, that just isn't the way most people do it. Most people do it as they f- they they massage it in other ways. So like if he if he looks like a kid who is on a faster track and a faster track of making a decision uh, is also a kid who maybe you're not quite as in love with, but a kid who's going to wait longer is higher on your board. You have to decide whether or not you're going to take the, that that first kid who might not be as high on your board. You have to you have to know that well before this kid really gets into the thick of things. Coaches are very savvy about when they offer players. A lot of times, uh, an offer is a way to get into the fight. Um, but I think coaches are also fully aware sometimes that a, an offer can mean a kid's gonna. You, you throw one down, a kid might jump on it. And so you're you've got to be mindful of who those kids are. So I think as you look at the 18 board, and I know folks are frustrated because they don't have uh, any commitments yet. And this is really the worst time for that because there's, you know, nothing's going to happen from from most teams right now. Um, these guys, there, I think there are some tiers we can, and we're going to talk about that in a second. I, I think that ultimately, the vast majority of the names you heard this weekend, or, or certainly the names that you've heard consistently, if those guys call to to commit, Tony would take them. Um, even if, like, I, I I do believe that if Jalen Llewellyn wanted to commit today, Tony would take him. Um, now, whether he continue to recruit quarterly or not, I, I've I've been specifically told that it's very very unlikely that they would play those that they would take both of those guys in the class. But sometimes it's about best talent available. Um, I just I just don't know if um, if the you know if if Llewellyn was on a on a faster track than Quinterly, which he's not, but if he was, I I, I think it comes down to it's a case by case basis, right? Like there are going to be offers that you make and then you back off of some guys. Um, you know, there are a handful of point guards that I know UVA, you know, quote unquote offered, um, that when I checked in, my sources would tell me, well, I'm glad he thinks that, <laughs> which I always thought was the greatest, uh, response to have, has Virginia offered a kid or not. Um, but like, there are also those guys that they just don't really talk to as much. And that's, that's how the coaches basically feel out their traction with kids I mentioned Prentice Hub. Um, I think Slater was probably in the same boat. Guys who Virginia thought, you know what, I just don't think it's right. And and instead of like pulling the offer, nobody calls him up and says, hey, just want to let you know you no longer have an offer from UVA. They just don't talk to him as much. And the kid understands, because basketball kids are always savvier than football kids, like kids understand, like, yeah, that, that means that they're not, they're not as into me and I need to move on looking at other schools. Uh, Dave, why don't you open up, because you were the one who, who, who brought up this kind of cool sort of exercise uh, why don't you lay out the parameters of of this post and this question? Because I think you you wanted to tweak it or something. I, I don't remember. But anyway, I'll let you I'll let you have the floor for that. Yeah, grab a grab a soda pop. We'll take a minute. Soda um, pop. <laughs> I think it was W H R Taylor on the board asked the question. It was like he had you know three either or propositions for for recruits, and I'm going to tweak the players a little bit and tweak the rules for our little podcast here. Um, we're going to build a three man recruiting class for 2018. Using one of each, you know, one, two, and three, you've got to pick the or and put a three-man class together from those. Um, kind of tiered based on what my personal tiers. Um, so number one, I like the one you had, uh, Quinterly or, or Johnson. You can have either one of those. And your, the second place on your, on your three-man recruiting team can be either McCormick, and I'm going to go with Brooks because I do like the – the big man comparison there. Um, and then number three, which are, yeah, you know, uh, 
guys who maybe didn't show as well as they had, we had hoped or they had hoped um, at the top 100. We're going to decide between Musa Jello and um, uh, John Newman. So if you could build a three-man class using one, two, and three, what would your choices be? All right, now before we get into this, I want to make a couple things clear. One is, so you basically are saying the jewel of the class. Do you want the jewel of the class to be Cornelia or, or Johnson? Johnson, yep. And then, and then two, two I mean, is I think like, Brooks what, and McCormick are pretty Yeah, yeah what pretty big good. do you want? And then three, if you had to have a glue guy or a guy who's going to do a lot of different things, yeah. uh, who would you want? Um, yeah. I'm personally upset that neither Reeves... Uh, yeah, I couldn't figure out how to make Reeves work because I think he'd be more along yeah. Reeves or Johnson. Yeah. But I think... But but yeah, I think that if you if you did it strictly by position and you said Quinterly or, or Luella, and I think you know everybody well, goes with five star. But no, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it makes sense that you you sort of you know cha- you know uh, that we've 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 taken the question and, and sort of changed it. Uh, who wants to go first? Who, who's 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 chomping at the bit here? Don't everybody don't everybody speak it up at once. I ask the question. I'll go. There you <laughs> go. Right. Um, I like Quinterly. Um, I like John, what Johnson brings a lot, um, but if I'm building a three-man class, give me a point guard. I know how our offense works. You know, 50 to s- plus percentage of the game, we're going to run a set offense, and having a guy like Quinterly who can run the offense and then go get a shot at the end of it if nothing's there is something that it, it's hard to pass up on. Um, you've seen how good our offense is when when London's on. So take a player. No offense to London, but a player with another notch of athleticism and finishing ability. That's hard for me to pass up, even for a potential, you know, NBA two guard in in Johnson. Um, two, I'm going to go with Brooks over McCormick. I like clearly McCormick has changed his game quite a bit. You tw- sent us a picture. I couldn't believe it was the same kid. It, I mean, seriously, um, I remember watching that kid at league camp. I mean, I saw him the other day and I was like, that is not the same dude. That's just not, yeah, it, but it is. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I, I picked Brooks over that is, I mean, I still I still worry about McCormick in a playing against teams that just go small against us. Like, and I think Brooks might have the ability to play, you know, cover that stretch for a little bit better than McCormick. So I'm going to go with Brooks. Plus, with the I think he's well, you've seen him play. I, I feel like the way you described it, Brooks has a little more polish in, in the post than McCormick does as a well, scoring the, option. I, see, polish is a little hard because because McCormick's feet. Are exceptional. Like his footwork is great, and when he makes a move, he is 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 extremely decisive. Like my man does not waste any movement. Like he just does it. Um, I I think Brooks is put it to you like this: McCormick will make an impact on a game. Brooks, I think, needs his point guard to get him the ball in the right spot because really, what he needs is he he's so he really is like AG. He had this one catch and turn, and he kind of leaned and he like. He, he, he swipes the ball from one side to the other and holds, right? And then he very quickly gets, into it, gets his back into the guy and starts backing him down, and it looked just like AG. Like if he had some wild hair, it would have been him. Um, but, yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that. I, I would just say that I think – I don't want to say that Brooks has more polish. Maybe that he's, that he's, um, he's maybe got just a couple more offensive tools. Um, because I, I do think that McCormick – he's not a project. McCormick has really good feet. Real good sense of where he is. He's got good ball skills. He's 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 actually a lot quicker up and down off the floor than you would expect, given his his you know his his uh, big bigger guy pass. But but I think you're probably right in the sense like I, I do think that you could play Brooks with a five. Like if you like if you took one of these open scholarships that they're inevitably going to have, and you went out and you got a transfer big, you could play yeah. him and Brooks together. I don't know 
that you could play. You, you'd have to find a different type to play with McCormick, and you couldn't ask McCormick to be your only big on the floor. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you would yeah. need him. You, you're right. You, a team, a team would just would would stretch for him to death. There's no doubt. Yep. Yeah, and then the last group uh, between Jello and Newman. Uh, it's Jello all day for me. No offense to Newman. Uh, I think Jello is just one of those kids. L- listening interviews with him and hearing reports from him at camps, I think he's the kind of kid who we're is hopefully will end up at Virginia, and maybe we're not as high on him as we were. But I think he's a system kid who needs to who's got tremendous upside in the right system. Um, and I just don't think he's got the personality to go into a camp and dominate the ball. Um, so I think, I hope he ends up in Virginia. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people a couple years down the road. So it's a good list. Quinterly Brooks and, and Jello. All right. Ferber, what about you? Pick your, pick your, uh, your 2018 recruiting class right quick. Like, Oh uh, yeah. So I was kind of thinking about it differently when we talked about it earlier, just thinking of like player versus player as we had it set up. But I kind of like the way that Dave set it up as a class put together, you know, for a team. Um, like uh, like you guys, I'm disappointed that A.J. Reeves isn't in the equation after how he played last week. But um, anyway, I would go Quinterly like Dave. Um, and the reason is kind of going to be explained. But I think that yeah, if you're going to try to put a three-man group together, you want to have a point guard in there. Um, or at least this class should have one. Um as Dave said, Kelton Johnson, I mean, if they got him, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, you can't be. But if you want one of those blue chip guys, I like the point guard. I think that um, – and we'll see what happens with Ty Jerome. Um, but I think that I, – I think the sky is the limit for what Tony could do with a really talented floor general like Quinterly that could do all kinds of different things. Um, the second guy I would take is McCormick. And I totally understand all the reasons why you guys went Brooks or why Dave went Brooks. Um, and I think that Brooks is probably a more natural fit. But I like, like, like uh, Brad said, I like McCormick's athleticism. Um, I was kind of just how big he is. It's just it's crazy how well. Um, I mean, he can move around. Um, and, and with that, I think that his natural skill set on offense would be something that UVA hasn't really seen. And I think that you would be able to, because of his athleticism, teach him how to play in the defense, you know, you know, basically as a rim protector. Um, and I think he would take to it well. Uh, obviously, like you guys said, there's some issues with uh, his skill set against stretch force. Um, but I think that that, you know, they can scheme around that. Um, you just play him with another big who can go out and guard those guys. Uh, and then for my third guy, I would also go Jallo. I think, like Dave said, I think he's a natural fit. Um, for what UVA wants to do. And, uh, you know, one bad tournament doesn't necessarily break or make a, 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 rec- a recruit's life cycle. Um, he's got a lot of good tape out there, and there's a reason that he's as valued as a recruit as he is. So I think those are the three guys that go with Quinterly, McCormick, and Jallo. Let, uh, let me first start off by, um, <laughs> by raising a, a, a – I have a small qualm, okay? You know, now, Dave, I got your back on this okay like I, this was a good this was cool uh i liked i liked the question from um from the board and i liked the way that you sort of structured it. my problem here is that number that my third question my third option here right basically disqualifies me in a way from taking johnson in the first if you had given me jallo or llewellyn maybe i'd feel a little bit differently but because point guard is like the biggest need in this class and so like i feel like in a way 
I can't pick Johnson because I have to have a point guard. Um, because if I if I take Jallow or Newman, I'm going to have two two wings because I don't think Newman's a point guard, and I, I don't I don't think that uh, that Johnson is either. The other thing, as I looked at the at the options here, I I am just obsessed with the idea of having Johnson and McCormick on the same team. Do you know how many buckets those dudes would get? Like eat and eat and eat. Like they would be like like I'm telling you, Keldon Johnson when he goes to the rim, he is basically daring you to figure out a way to stop him. You're gonna you're gonna reach and hack because you're trying to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, he is he's a strong kid, but he's not super heavy, so like when he when he takes contacts, it's clear that he's taking he's taking a bump. If on the other side of the rim was David McCormick with good feet and and Kelton's an I, I, we don't talk about him much. He's a pretty good passer. That duo right there could fix UVA's. If you think about like what what plagued UVA's offense last year, right? They didn't have anybody who could get a bucket, and they didn't have anybody in the post who could score or anybody who could clean up around the rim. And so, as good as Quinterly is, okay, and I'm he's a five star for a reason. He's easily one of one of my favorite. Um, recruiting targets that I've watched he's just a lot of fun and he he his ability to change speeds in the middle of a move is actually quite filthy but I would take Johnson and, and, and McCormick together for that for that reason just because they would be such an instant sort of uh, option not to mention and this is something that's really underrated I mentioned I feel like I talk about it when, when I when I watch Johnson play but I don't know I don't feel like I talk about it elsewhere I see it talk that is one of the most passionate kids I've ever seen like you think Justin Anderson's passionate, like like Kelvin Johnson is on his level, and I and I think that's it, it's infectious, and it's easy to watch him play and see him he, the, his energy. Now I would probably would rather him not say and one as much when he gets fouled, um, but as I tweeted the other day, like I was totally that kid too, so I don't I'm not gonna hate, but like his energy and stuff, I, I think he's exactly the type of dog that UVA needs. Hey, just a kid, go get me a bucket, man. Just go score. You know, we're in a funk. Go. And I, I like the idea of, of putting a kid like him surrounded by a lot of the shooters, especially with length that Virginia would have uh, theoretically in this uh, potential class. Um, so if I've got Johnson and I've got McCormick, then I'm kind of struggling because Jallo and, and Newman are, are somewhat similar. I think I end up taking Jallo because I feel like of the two, uh, he brings the most kind of clay to the table. Like I feel like you could Mike Curtis could really work with him. There's a lot there. Um, I don't know how he and Johnson would play together um, because neither of them are, are great shooters. Um, now, we watch, we watch Virginia turn Mario Shayok at times into a good shooter. We watch Virginia turn Darius Thompson into a much better shooter. Um, who's to say that they couldn't do the similar thing? I think I might actually go Johnson McCormick Jallo. And, and, and as I say that out loud, I think it sounds ridiculous. But I just think that the, the combination of – and, and this is my other piece. Jalla, excuse me, Johnson and McCormick, in-state kids. Like, it wouldn't be a bad thing for Virginia to have a kid from Team Loaded and a kid from Boo Williams. And highly rated guys, guys with, you know, really good offers, but also two guys who are from this state, playing in this state. Keldon Johnson likely to be, I mean, he'd probably be on the cusp of a one and done, to be quite honest. Like, he came to Virginia, I could totally see him being, so, I mean, like, there's a lot there. Uh, if, if Virginia has to choose between, I mean, there's nobody. Look, Quinterly is is a is a very unique kid, but there's not a whole lot of Keldon Johnsons out there, man. Like that kid can ball. Yeah, I did have one. I didn't tell you guys beforehand because I wanted to catch you off guard with this one. But you've picked your three now. 
give me the starting lineup for Virginia basketball their freshman season. All right, so in twenty, you're talking about in 2017, so season 2018, 2019. Yep. Okay. So at that point, we're assuming Ty and Kyle and uh, <laughs> hold on, I'm writing them all down. Stop. Uh, and Jay Huff and DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter, Marco Anthony, and Marco Anthony and Mama Diakite and Francesco Badoki. By the way, Badoki. Badoki. Not Badoshi, but Badoki. We're sorry. Uh, one, two, three, somewhere. four, five, six, seven. No. Oh, we're completely forgetting someone. We're forgetting. No, we're not. One, two. No, no, that's right. No, that's right. Yeah. That's okay. Right. I would say your starting five would be. Oh my God! Would Kyle guy not start? Yeah, your starting your starting five would be Ty Jerome, Kyle guy. Uh, in my five, in my group, Calden Johnson, uh, Jerome. DeAndre Jerome, D- Jerome Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, and Jay Huff. That would be that would be a starting five. Well, I don't know. Maybe so you got Mama D on the bitch. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a that's gonna be a tough that's gonna be a tough thing to watch yeah. like seesaw back and forth because I think Jay is really extremely talented. I brought this up because it starts to make me worry about how we're gonna recruit clothes on top level recruits. Like you start putting it on paper and how they fit in. Well, the that- only guys I think you can say immediate playing time for. Is Quinterly? Oh, the upside because you can quickly flip the rock, move people to pieces around well, with Quinterly. Keldon, yeah, I think Keldon would play too, but and, and McCormick would be an interesting fit with Jay Huff. Um, that's one of the reasons why it's probably a good thing that Mamadi and Jay Huff are and DeAndre like like that. There's a year between Mamadi and Jay or Mamadi and DeAndre. Is that then Dre? Um, mm-hmm. Here's but that's that's why when uh, several weeks ago and I was like maybe they don't need a wing. That's why because as you look at this thing like. There's a bunch of dudes who are going to be looking for time, and Virginia is very cognizant now of the lack of how the lack of playing time has impacted their transfers. Like they're just going to start leaving some tr- some spots open and and go the the transfer route. I, I, that's one one. I think Nigel Johnson's season and how it works, you know, for Tony to have a guy who comes in, plays right away, and he's gone. I mean, I think that's a really interesting sort of um, of uh, of guinea pig, so so to speak, like. Because that might be something UVA does more of in the, in the future, but you're right. Like if you looked on, you start talking about this on paper. Like it's funny because some of these skill sets don't really like you look at it and you say, okay, Ty is your only point guard. You probably wouldn't want Kyle to be a point guard, but then you start talking about the other spots. You're like, well, Kyle is a two. DeAndre's kind of a three, four. Right? He, he's he's got the size of a, uh, the height of a four, but the skill set of a three. Huff is kind of like a. Th- Three, three, four, four five. five, right? is kind of like a four, five, but he has the speed of a three uh, and the athleticism of it. Marco is going to be the interesting one this month because you're watching to see, you know, is he more combo? Is he more wing? Is he a little bit of both? Um, and then Frankie, who knows what he's going to be? If he's a keel, he could do anything. Um, three, four. <laughs> so I think that's a. You're right. I think that's a that's a nice little wrinkle you tossed out there. Good job, Ferber. What about you? You got to pick starting five along with your your three. Go. Oh man, um, what year? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah, their their, their freshman, freshman year. season. Okay. Um, damn, <laughs> it's tough because I feel like Quinterly could come right in and play. Yeah, he absolutely but at the would. Same time, you're gonna have a junior. You'll have a junior Ty Jerome. Can, that's the other thing. Can you imagine Tony Bennett taking the ball out of the hand of his junior point guard and handing it to a f- true freshman? Yeah, and it's not like Todd Jerome sitting around this summer on this couch. That boy is working. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I I can't imagine that, but I also can't imagine 
quinterly going somewhere and being on the bench. Right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've, you know what, Jay Wright is, 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 is uh, Jay Wright's listening to this podcast and being like, yeah, this is why you need to come to <laughs> He's going to play it for him, I bet. <laughs> He's, you know, he, Jay Wright, he listens to all the great podcasts, all okay. the great shows. All right, so I'm enough enough of me hemming and hauling. Um, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Mamadi, and Jay Huff. I don't know. Wow, you just had all of your 18 kids on the bench. Yeah, I couldn't think of I couldn't think of a way to bench starters for them because Tony just doesn't do that very often. Yeah, well, until this year. Yeah. Which is also the interesting wrinkle here, too, is that, like, these kids were talented enough that they basically, they he had to play them, and he couldn't wait on them to have the experience, right? So when they have the experience, is he going to play somebody else over them? That's that's the that's the fun part of recruiting at a high level. All right, Dave, you're, 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 a little, <laughs> uh, you're a little Frankenstein's monster here, so go ahead. Well, I mean, I had Quinterly, uh, Brooks, and Jello. It's, I mean, I don't, I don't think Jello's starting. Brooks, I could see starting, actually, depending on how Huff develops. Um, I could see a, a way he'd start, but technically, I actually think if you, if you get Quinterly, I believe it's Quinterly, Ty Jerome, um, DeAndre Hutter, Mamadi, and Jay Huff, um, with Kyle, your sixth man off the bench, because... Oh, my God. The idea of which Kyle would be interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, that's an, that, Yeah, that's a nice little wrinkle you tossed out there. Um. Yeah, I, I guess I, my I, point is, if we don't end up with one of the top, you know, twenty guys in the class of well, 2019, yeah, it I mean, probably like doesn't affect the, us. And that's the thing is, that, like, in a weird sort of way, what you really wanted was to be able to have those slots now, because yeah. you can play freshmen over sophomores, and it's not the, as big a deal, right? But like these kids are going to play a lot of minutes this season. Like they are going to be stalwarts by the time. You know what I mean? Like by the time the, their junior year rolls around, not just that, but you're going to go into their junior year where those kids, like the part of the 16 class is coming up on their junior season and a couple of guys coming up on their uh, retro sophomore seasons. And like, that's a hell of a nucleus of dudes, right? And a, and a vast assortment of skill sets. Um, yeah. And you're going to have Francesco who they just registered the year before. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So and his knee injury is, is, is not for the record. His knee injury is not as bad. I, no. I met him the other day and talked to him. He had just had surgery. Um, and he only he's only he's only on crutches for like another couple of weeks, and then so I mean he he his he's gonna redshirt this year, um, but he's not gonna be like sidelined in terms of his training. So he'll be ready by the by his redshirt freshman year. Um, How tall is he? Look plenty tall to me. I would say he's six seven and a half. Um, That's pretty good because I'm not sure Isaiah is. So. I, I, I w- <laughs> he he looked he 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 was reminiscent of Akil to me. Um, standing there talking to him, um, I shook his hand. He, you know, he's about, he, I would say size wise, I would say six seven a little bit. As one of my sources told me that, that's a, I would would totally agree with that. But then again, so I, completely shorter also, than DeAndre. He was he had his arms in on the on his crutches though too. So I was kind of extrapolating out like how tall he was based on that. But I yeah, but no, DeAndre's a is like a DeAndre's gonna be a beast, man. Um, well, look, I think that's actually a really good place to put a pen in it. I, I think that was a fun little exercise, and I'm really curious to see how many people tell us we're wrong. Um, so, but no texting and driving out there, people. That's very much frowned upon. 
Um, so look, I want to <laughs> I want to say thank you to you guys for for uh, being on the show as always for giving me some of your time on a on a Wednesday night. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show, giving us your listens. Really appreciate the support as always. Uh, so yeah, for uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.